Hi, welcome to Logical Thinking on bbsradio.com. This program will also be simulcast on Twitter, Twitch, Rumble, DLive, Odyssey, numerous Facebook channels, and numerous YouTube channels because I have an awesome guest with me today. Uh, author, award-winning author, sought-after public speaker, podcast host. Uh, the list just... I'm. This is an amazing home run for logical thinking, and I can't wait to bring her onto the show. So I'm going to do that right now. Judy Gammon, welcome to the program. Thank oh, you thank so much you for joining so much. me. I'm so honored to be here with you. Thank you for such a kind introduction. Uh, well, I, I had I had your biography all set up. I was ready to read it, and then I just got to thinking about it. I missed it, <laughs> missed it by that much. You have done so much. You've at Fox uh, News Radio uh, commentary as well. You're... Yeah, you know, I, I've been so, so blessed to, to have these incredible opportunities. And really, like the Fox News thing kind of came from, I'm the CEO of Executive Medicine of Texas. And a lot of times there's breaking news, there's things that, that are coming out, uh, studies that are coming out that have to do with health and wellness. And um, they, they've kind of made me a bit of a regular from time to time. So, so I love that. I love sharing uh, opinions and sharing what's going on uh, in the health and science world. Yeah, well, they recognize talent when they see it. No, you're so kind. <laughs> they recognize talent and, and a great guest when they see it. You're an author, a speaker, CEO, and podcast host. Uh, so busy as a third generation workaholic that she didn't even notice life was passing you by. And uh, we can talk about uh, your book, Love, Life, and Lucille Lessons Learned from a Centenarian. Uh, great, great title. I can't wait to get my hands on a copy of the book and read it. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, you know, I wasn't setting out to write this book. I was actually working on a different book called Age to Perfection, How to Thrive to 100, Happy, Healthy, and Wise. And mm -hmm. I was going through the motions, you know, doing all the research, which is, I love research, and, and really looking at the blue zones. Where is it that people are living longer? How are they doing it? And then I just had this moment where I was like, you know, why don't I just interview the people that are over 100 and ask them, like, how'd you do it? How'd you get the t-shirt? And that was the beginning of an incredible journey. I had the pleasure of, of interviewing several people, but Lucille Fleming, she just really was an incredible woman. And from the second we met, we became attached to the hip. And when that book was done, she went out on book tour with me and everybody loves her. She became like literally the, the star of the show and because we became so close and she shared so much wisdom with me. If you want to get wisdom, hang out with somebody over a hundred that it became natural that I was going to write this story about, about her, that it became a story about our friendship. And then it wasn't until she died that I really truly understood the purpose of uh, I was going to write and why I was going to write it. Wow. And <clears throat> It, it it reminds me of like in my youth I had uh, uh, an elderly friend that you know I was um, preteen I guess and I'd mow her lawn for her and shovel her walk and trim her flowers and everything else and a lot of times there wouldn't be anything to do we'd just hang out and watch TV and we'd talk and uh, she always had cookies in the jar and <laughs> oh, lemonade I in love the fridge. That. And 
it was, I think it was a very, very important part of my childhood because I was able to gain wisdom just, just in talking to her. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, people don't, these days they don't seem to realize the value in experience and wisdom with age. And that's, yeah. that's to their detriment, I believe. Oh, I completely agree with you. You know, we look through the wrong places. We we look to celebrities and politicians to find answers when we have so much wisdom pent up behind closed doors, not being tapped into. It's the real gold. It's the the I call it the unburied treasure. And we really need to understand it. We need to recognize it and we need to expose it before it becomes buried treasure. They're just full of wisdom. They live through so much. You know, Lucille, she was born the year the Titanic sank. She came to the United States with a, a locket around her neck and a, a, a briefcase on her hand. And she came in the middle of the Depression and put herself through nursing school. Yeah, She was that pioneering woman before that was kind of a cool thing to be. Mm-hmm. So what happened with uh, Age to Perfection, How to Thrive to 100, Happy, Healthy, and Wise? Did you actually get to write that? Yeah, I wrote it. She, you know, she toured with me and we just really had a good time. And it was just, you know, nonfiction. I love nonfiction. I speak on health and wellness. I speak on perspective on a lot of different topics. But I tell you, this Love, Life, and Lucille, this book has become a passion for me. It's become about sharing the legacy that Lucille left. She changed not just my life, but she actually changed the trajectory of my family. Because you had mentioned I was a third generation workaholic and you don't really recognize it when you're in it. But when you step away from it and you see, oh my gosh, you know, these years, yes, I, you know, advanced my career. Yes, I, you know, finished school. I did all these things. But what about all those moments that I missed and, and really not wanting to miss those moments, making sure that we make eye contact with people. We have real live conversations, not just, Hey, give me the facts, you know, and so I can get on to the next thing. It changed my life. It changed the way I parent and ironically stepping out of the workaholics lifestyle helped my career even more. And, and I became this, the CEO and a lot of the things that I do, the decisions I make, the, the way I analyze things, I, it still has a, a hint of Lucille in it because she just shared so much wisdom with me that I often will think about it from a whole new perspective. And that's, that's where you get the idea of forget the science. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> okay. What does it really take to live to 100? Well, this is what, what's so fascinating is because when I was interviewing the people over 100 for the Age to Perfection book, there were some, some really interesting commonalities. Um, they all had uh, faith. They all had faith. Um, they were not of the same religion. Uh, so it wasn't a religion thing, but it was a, more about giving up to a higher power, not carrying that load all by yourself. 
they all believed in in exercise. And what did that look like? It, it was a little different for everyone. There was this wonderful woman uh, who I, I just loved her. She had great tenacity. And she said, you know, when I when I was younger, I, I walked and I did all kinds of things before the word aerobics was out there and Jane Fonda wasn't popular and all these things that happened over time to get us into this exercise mode. So, but as I got um, older and gyms started popping up, I started going to the gym. And then once I couldn't work the machines with the weights on them, I just started working the machines without the weights. And as she put it, and I love to quote her on this, you got to keep your machine well oiled. And there's so much truth to that. So, you know, there was a lot of these things that that they did. They moved. They were social. You know, their the body moved. They were social. Uh, they all were involved in something that kept them social. Like for Lucille, she was an avid duplicate bridge player and she was really good at it. But they all had something that they did. They were involved with family. They were involved with community. They didn't give up on their life. They didn't say, oh, I don't have anything left to offer because I'm of this age. They didn't have that attitude at all. They knew they had something to offer and they were very generous with offering what it is that they had. They had perspective and, oh, and yeah. they shared their perspective with you. Yeah, they certainly did. And, um, you know, I think that in today's day and age, we're way too tied into whether it's the media or it's certain opinions that are headed our way that we've forgotten how to think for ourselves and to gather all the information and the facts and, and align ourselves with people from history that know and, and really look up to our elders and also you know, talk to our kids. A fascinating thing that happened when I was writing Age to Perfection is I interviewed, um, I, I think it was kindergarten or first grade, a class. And I said, what do you think it takes to live to 100? I was just curious. It, was, it wasn't even going to go in the book originally. It was just, I wanted to know. And when I pulled all the data together for the book, I realized that the kids know what it takes and the people over 100 know what it takes. But somewhere in the middle of our mucky lives, we, you know, the advertising messages and the, all these things get us all messed up and, and we forget, we forget, like the kids would say things like, oh, you got to have lots of friends. Well, guess what? The centenarian said, got to stay social, got to make sure you have friends. And they always said, got to have younger friends because all your friends are going to start dying the older you get. So they, they knew these things. Um, they knew about nutrition. They knew about exercise. And so we're born knowing that. And if we're lucky enough to make it to 100, it's probably because we did those things. But somewhere in the middle, we can't forget these very important things. Simple pleasures, having friends around you, taking the time out to play, uh, not really letting stress bother you. Just take it one stressful item at a time until that stress goes away. Uh, yeah, I could see where adolescents and the elderly would have very much the similar outlook on life. It's the middle of the road where we get screwed up. Yes, it's so true. It's so true. You know, I, I speak sometimes on on generations and, and not just generations like um, 
the generations as we think about in history. But at, at what age do certain things happen? And you can almost look at particular decades of life and you can say these are the health concerns or even the mental health concerns but the physical mental health concerns at this decade. And it seems to kind of go, no matter what country you're in, what socioeconomic class you're in, uh, there, there are certain things about that human experience that those pitfalls are there and we either can manage those pitfalls or, or we fall, you know, we fall into the mess. So it's the human experience. And I think that, really is something that that Lucille taught me. It's the human experience that binds us all together, that makes us all who who we are. You know, everybody has their first love. We all know what it feels like to have a win, do something great and and be happy or proud of ourselves. We also know what it feels like to fail and to to really screw something up. And that's all part of the human experience. And with Lucille and her friendship, it really drove home for me. And and I've really been sharing this message a lot that friendship is not how many likes you get on social media. We've used the word friend a little too loosely. Friendship is really who we're out there having those human experiences with and sharing the stories of our past human experience with. So, as your your listeners or your viewers are, are hearing this or seeing this, I want to challenge all of them to you know find out who are the people in your life that you really enjoy the human experience with. And if you don't have people in your life or if you're lacking a particular perspective, go out and find them. You know, there's always a friend just around the corner. But there, as the old saying goes, you got to be friendly to find a friend. Yeah. And Facebook doesn't count. No. <laughs> neither does neither does Twitter or LinkedIn. Uh, we are vibrational beings and our heart actually has our hearts actually have an energy field that goes out like six feet. Mm-hmm. And the only time that energy field is going to mesh with another energy field is if there's somebody within six feet of you. Um yeah. I firmly believe that social distancing is is about separating people from other people. You know, because if you don't ever uh, mesh with someone's auric field, it, the the higher level, the higher self communication doesn't happen. Well, so. there's so much to what you're saying. It, it, first of all, it's absolutely true. It's scientifically proven, and what we saw and what we continue to see in the medical field is that the the social distancing has caused incredible rates of depression, incredible rates of disconnection. And even with the young children who are wearing masks and seeing people wearing masks, we see that parts of their brain have not fully developed because We use this, the facial expression, to understand our world. And once you've removed the facial expression, especially to the growing brain, uh, these children didn't have that. And then they were taken out of school, so they, they weren't playing. They weren't within, you know, close distance to to other children and, and that whole play experience. All of that is about growth and development. 
So now as we're moving forward and, and really looking at what are some of the casualties of social distancing? What are some of the casualties of, of masking? And some of these things that, that were done, you know, wh- whatever side your viewer or listeners are on, it, it doesn't matter politically. I, I mean, this is not a political commercial. This is simply a fact. And okay, now we have to, to reconnect and we have to catch our kids up. We need to be putting putting money and research and, and development into how do we get back these basic needs for the children and our and all stages of life. The elderly, what we saw in the elderly with the social distancing was that they declined so quickly. The mm-hmm. change from independent living, whether it's in a center or in their own home, straight to a nursing home or assisted living, it, it was all accelerated. And part of that it has to do with the fact that we need each other. And you just, you mentioned it and, and you, you said it so eloquently about, you know, we need each other's energy. We feed off of each other's energy. And when you take that away, there's consequences. Mm-hmm. Well, that, and we're raising an entire generation of children now that, that don't know how to play how to play fair and play nice and interact with other people, you know, in the physical sense, because their developmental years, they weren't exposed to that. So how do we get them to figure that out now? How do we teach them how to do it? Well, (laughs) we we definitely need to really spend some, some research and development on this. How do we catch them up? And it's not video games, you know, it's not virtual anything. Um, We really have to study this and we have to get back to some basic things and the parents got to get on board. You know, another thing uh, I think is really important if we're talking about the the development of of us as humans, take a, a, a child whose parents are going through a nasty divorce and you look at the implications of what that looks like. I, my mom recently passed away and, and in her thing, she had some boxes with our names on them. And I opened up and I went through my like testing and some report cards. And, and the year that my parents divorced, I didn't fully appreciate this till I was looking at it. My test scores, which had been really high that year of testing, they were either mediocre or very low. My report card even on the social aspects of it, I, you know, doesn't listen to instructions, is disruptive. I mean, it was not me at all, but it was me in the moment. So you take what that feels like. And if your viewers or listeners have experienced a parental divorce, then they, they know what I'm talking about. They know that feeling of loss. So what we're experiencing is either PTSD or for some people, the first time of the great divorce of our political parties and our media, everyone's yelling at each other. Everyone's screaming at each other. And we're just trying to go to work and do our job and put food on the table and gas in the tank. So it's, it's gonna, it's gonna take its toll. If we can't get on the same page and we don't have to all agree on everything but if we can't stop the screaming and the yelling and the the all the negativity 
it will have an effect on every one of us as individuals. Our personal report cards, our our job performances, our marriages, our ability to parent, all of this is going to be affected because the brain doesn't like chaos. Mm -hmm. Well, the the personal report card, that covers basically every portion of your life, your interactions with people, your job performance, your recreation time. Because if you're truly happy, you're going to be looking for happy things, you know, and that's that's going to fill your recreation. And that's usually going to be around other people, hopefully happy people. <laughs> but <laughs> but <laughs> If you have that joy in your life, then it just kind of seeps into every part of your life. And not only you benefit from it, but everybody that you're around benefits from it. And it's that whole energy exchange thing. But if you're in a royally bad mood, okay. That's contagious. That so is a con- smile. It's all is, contagious. Yeah. Yes, so what are you spreading? Yeah. So people are under a lot of stress these days. I mean, they've got the stress of, of the, the shot and they've got the stress of, of the, the next pandemic and they've got the stress of, of work too much month left at the end of the money. And they're, they're basically on a treadmill and they need to find ways that they can take a moment for themselves. Even if, even if they only take five minutes to like meditate. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> oh yeah. That. You know, we have, we have functional MRI now, and this is a, a fairly new thing. It's been used in research in the last decade, but, but functional MRI has allowed us to see what happens to the brain during either prayer or meditation, either, or both things light up different parts of the brain that are not lit up at any other time. So whether it's, it's prayer or meditation, that downtime, that, that highly focused downtime where you're not allowing the world to distract you actually has incredible health benefits. And so I, I always encourage people, we encourage all of our patients at Executive Medicine of Texas to, to really you know, take that, mo- even if it's 15 minutes a day, but take time or, you know, Take some time in the morning, take some time in the, in the afternoon, because the longer you stretch where you're still going through the, the world of what I call perpetual pop-ups, you know, everything's a pop-up, whether it's on your screen or it's your phone going off or it's somebody popping in your office. Hey, I need this or I need that. We weren't meant for that. We're making so many decisions that we have decision fatigue at 10 o'clock in the morning. So what happens to us by five or six, if we don't stop? and reboot, then we just get into to overdrive. We just get into to mental chaos. And back to that, that personal report card, I encourage all of, of your viewers and listeners to, to really think about that. Write down maybe what is important to them. And that can be their report card. You know, maybe it's, um, you know, finishes on, on deadlines, or maybe it's, you know, walks 10,000 steps a day or whatever it is. And really give yourself a monthly report card. We have, we have something called the, the state of the family address. And we do this uh, every New Year's. 
And on New Year's Day, my husband and I go to to brunch and we have the state of the marriage. And we've kept this in leather journals for decades. And then mm-hmm. we have a state of the family the following Saturday, standing date with the kids. And they, you know, what are their goals for the year? We look back at last year. But it wasn't until about five years ago that I started taking those goals for myself and, and for my husband and, and breaking them down into little bite-sized pieces, putting them on our mirror so we could check, you know, did we get these things done this week or this month? And what that has done is allowed us to have kind of a roadmap. Okay, we said we want to accomplish this, but they can't just be pie in the sky. What are the steps and and how do we check off and even how hold each other accountable to getting that done? Life's going to get in the way. It always does. So it just helps you kind of stay on track. And it's kind of one of those things that we've done and it's helped us with our own personal report card. You know, are are we meeting the goals that we really want to meet? Are we able to, at the end of the, the month or the six weeks or the whatever semester of life or, or year, were we able to accomplish some of those things that we really think are important or were we just dragged from one thing to the next? So you set a goal and then you set like sub goals to like uh, baby steps and keep your eye on the goal, but you take the baby steps and you take the successes along the way. And then that solidifies the achievement of the goal. Yeah. And it also lets you know, Hey, are you ahead or behind? You know, one of, one of my goals was, you know, I wanted to go, I wanted to go to a farm. I wanted to get away to a, to a farm. And so I, you know, that was something we said in January. So by March I had, you know, book the farm, (laughs) you know, research in February, I had research farms. And by March it was book the farm, wherever I'm going to go. And then, you know, have a a deadline of when I'm going to go. And if I schedule it for a particular time, then that month is go to the farm. Uh, I was working on a fiction book called Pulse, which uh, my husband and I actually write together under the the um, pen name, Judy G. Walters. And I wanted to finish that book that year. And so I broke it down for the, you know, a particular month. It'd be write chapters one and two. And, and it wasn't like write Pulse and it just keeps being on the mirror for a whole year. It was breaking it down into little pieces that were actionable and you could actually look at it. Did I do it? And it was small enough that it was a chunk of of the to-do list that was doable within that month. So just kind of, you know, looking at those those particular areas. One of the goals was I wanted to spend more time with, with my grandchildren. I have five grandchildren. And I noticed that, man, time's going by and we didn't really get together as much as we wanted to. So we instituted something called Tuesday Tuesday date night for the kids. Tuesday night comes, drop off the kids. You've got three hours. And really, it was more about us. We wanted to be able to say we made memories with our grandkids. We wanted to get to know them. And the only way we could do that was say, okay, we got to be consistent. Give them something to look forward to. Put it on the calendar so nothing else gets in the way. And then everybody, it was a win-win for everybody. It strengthens the kids' marriages because they're spending time with each other. So it was kind of a win-win solution. Excellent. And um, no cell phones at the dinner table. Absolutely not. (laughs) And everybody eats at the same table. That's right. I I don't know what happened to the family dinner 
getting together. I mean, it's like people these days seem to be happy taking something frozen out of the freezer, pop it into the wave, and then stand there leaning against the counter while they eat it. Yeah. And it's, I don't get it. I just don't understand where we went so horribly, horribly wrong. Well, and you know, we can make it fun. In in our family, one year we did chef jackets for for everybody. And we said, we're going to start something called Gammon Kitchen. And literally, it's kind of like chopped. You know, like, don't throw an ingredient in the, in the you know, don't write it down. Throw it in the, the, the bucket unless you are willing to pull that ingredient out and have to cook with it. And it, it created this, you know, competition and it was fun and everyone's cooking together and it made the meal memorable. We still talk about, you know, the Fruity Pebble Hush Puppies. I mean, <laughs> who can make Hush Puppies out of Fruity Pebbles? And they actually won the competition. So it, it's it's about exploring, thinking outside of the box, finding ways to connect. And things don't have to necessarily be expensive. It's not about you know, where can we go? Let's all go to this resort and, you know, all the money you're spent on the plane ticks. We, we've done all that too. And that's fun. But the most memorable things are like you said, cooking in the kitchen, the smells, you're, you're actually using all of the senses. So you're imprinting the memory so well into the brain because you smell it, you see it, you're tasting it. All of that, and and those are the things that that we're going to remember. The kids are going to remember. The grandkids are going to remember. And we really, as as we're trying to figure out ways to reconnect, man, no better place than the kitchen. Yeah, uh, you're you're smelling the smells. You're seeing. You're hearing the laughter. Really, it is all of the senses and employed. Uh, great ideas. Great ideas. And there's so much more that we could talk about. And uh, I really, really love the uh, the concept of your book. And uh, I will I bet you it was just a joy to write. But you've got multiple books, though, seven of them, if not more. Yeah, seven of them. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it, writing is, uh, it's interesting that I'm a writer because I'm one of those kids that was a slow reader, did not know I was dyslexic back in the, in the seventies and eighties. We didn't really test for that. Um, maybe as much as we do now. And so I was, I was diagnosed as an adult. So I ended up going back to college as an adult and, and really got a whole new way to, uh, read, uh, decode words the world was was opened up to me, and then I found this love of books, and I, which before was a chore. I mean, in in school as a child, if it was going to be read out loud, and it was like, okay, one paragraph per kid, and they're going down the aisle. I'm counting paragraphs. I'm counting kids, and I'm like, okay, I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and I, I literally, I would I would be so so worked up. I I got to go to the bathroom and. I'd leave and then I'd be in there like, okay, do I think they're far enough past my paragraph? They're not going to back up and, and ask me to read. And the teachers didn't didn't catch on, but boy, it was so real to me. And and my heart goes out to kids and adults, undiagnosed adults who have a, a learning difference. And, you know, once I, I could put a name on it and I could work with it and I could understand it, I see the dyslexia as a gift. Um, there are so many things that I 
got from being a dyslexic child and then a dyslexic adult that I don't think had I grown up without that uh, difference, uh, I wouldn't be the same person. So sometimes we have to embrace those things that are thrown our way. Oh, I don't think that dyslexia or like learning differences are disabilities. I think that they are just different ways of looking at and different ways of navigating life. Like uh, uh, I was kind of hyperactive <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and uh, very creative and the, the boring, the mundane and the logical didn't really fit which mm-hmm. oddly enough, now I have a show called Logical Thinking, but, but we do kind of step outside the box a little bit. And what our purpose here is, is to give people the tools that they can use to help them navigate through life, you know, ease the stresses, you know, let's, let's take a little bit away. And it's not like the 27 hour day or anything like that. There's no life hacks or anything here. It's just, how do you take a few minutes separate yourself from stress if you're like turn off the phone at dinner time if you're eating you're doing that for you or Mm -hmm. you're doing that for the people that are eating with you turn off the phone yep turn off the tv you know instead of uh getting together for a semi-monthly horror movie or whatever over massive bowls of popcorn do a puzzle for crying out loud yeah or games board games are great you know there's the best i've had the best conversations over yahtzee i mean it's just like this you know you're you're rolling the dice it doesn't take a whole lot of thought and and, you know you just kind of it's a game of luck but it has really made incredible time with with my kids um throughout the years because i don't know you're kind of off guard the kids are kind of off guard and you can just tackle any topic because there's this huge distraction of the the dice you know and just keep rolling yahtzee and and you can be tangential you can be all over the place but there's nuggets of things that you you gain or you glimmer into your your children's or grandchildren's lives because it's just a game and you're just sitting around a mm-hmm. table and you, you're not thinking, oh, I want to get up or I got something to do because you're looking at the card and you're like, oh, well, we got to finish the game. So so you, you're kind of held captive a little bit. It, I think board games really need to come back. And families that, that do board games tend to do really well on even communication mm-hmm. because the more we communicate with one another, the better we get at it. And in today's text world, we're not communicating the way that, that we really should be communicating. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scrabble is a good one. Oh, Scrabble's a great one. Scrabble's a great one because uh, you have all these words that you're creating on the board and you can use those words to spark conversations. You know, you oh, can yeah. like, you know, build an entire topic around the board or, or like uh, teach the kids uh creativity by okay take uh three of the words or four of the words on this board and use them in a sentence oh that's great and, uh, well and every conversation around a scrabble board is going to be different because the way the brain works is they'll read the word and it'll trigger something you know the little mm-hmm. connections in the brain are going all over the place yep. and that 
they would say something normally wouldn't say because whatever word was on the board triggered a thought or a memory and it made them share something that they probably wouldn't have shared if it wasn't for, you know, just the words on the board. So I, yeah, I love that. Synaptic firing is fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) We need more of it. (laughs) Yes. More synaptic firing. Uh, Let's talk about some of your other books. So what other ones are you, I meant, I'm sure that you're, you're exceedingly proud of all of them, but uh, what are some of your favorites? Well, you know, I mentioned, I mentioned Pulse and I think it's the first of a book in a trilogy called the um, the Vital Signs series. And the first one's Pulse. The second one is Breath. And the last one is Pressure, thus Vital Signs. And this has kind of been a, a real fun thing to do together because my husband, who's an MD, um, and I have, have worked on these. It's a medical drama series. We worked on it together. And it has, a, um, each one of these books have a chess game that's kind of interwoven through the book. And we came up with this idea before we ever heard of the, the Queen's Gambit. I mean, it was, this, this was something we were thinking, you know, wouldn't it be kind of fun? And whether you like chess or you don't like chess, but have it kind of follow in the real chessies will, will really see, oh, that move, you know, that move's called this or, and now I see why it's, why it was put right here in the book. So, so for people who are really into chess, they even see it at a whole nother level. And anybody who's not into chess, they can follow. We've had a lot of people do reviews and say, I I never knew about chess, but it, it piqued my interest. But it's really about the stories of the characters and the fascinating and interesting medical stories and, and cases that kind of are interwoven. And it's it's a I I'd say it's it's kind of written with the idea of it becoming a series on a streaming service. So from each book is a different character's uh, backstory and perspective of, of what's going on. And, and so, you know, the three books are three different, very different storylines with, with different themes. Mm-hmm. And it's, it sounds like uh, a great premise for a book. It sounds like, uh, is, is this your website, judycannon.com? judygammon.com that's it okay we're going to leave that up on the screen because uh i i was absolutely stunned by your website all the information that you have on there and all of your all of the things that you've done and all of it just wow (laughs) i'm i'm truly humbled to, to to hear you say that it's um it's life's been very interesting and i've just been blessed to be able to meet some of the most interesting people and, and dive into things that I never, I never would have, have thought, I never would have thought I would be writing books. Uh, you know, I'm looking, I mentioned the box, you know, my mom died and I got this box and I'm looking back through old report cards and it's like, talks too much, talks too much, talks too much, needs improvement, needs improvement on this. And I was like, well, now I get paid to speak. So I guess that worked out. You know, well, <laughs> um, we, who we are, I think you can see even on, on those early childhood report cards. Yeah. It's just, just amazing. So you have the book Pulse and what's something else you've done? Well, I, I worked in a book called um, Stay Young, 10 Proven Steps to Ultimate Health. And that that was that. a that was a fun book. Um, it, it really is along the lines of 
um, you know, how do we stay young? How do we stay healthy? It works like a workbook. So if you're looking for, you know, how does this apply to me or the old WIIFM, what's in it for me? That's a really good book to just say, okay, let me, let me understand some steps I can implement today to, to stay young. And I don't mean stay young, like, you know, Botox or, or whatever, just stay young on the inside, stay as healthy as possible. Just some of those things that, you know, that book was written before age to perfection, but the irony is those 10 steps were what those centenarians were doing. And, mm-hmm. and it was written before, but we kind of get away from that. So that's kind of like the primer. So start with stay young, 10 proven steps, to ultimate health, move on to age to perfection, how to thrive to 100, happy, healthy, and wise. And, you know, the other thing, these two books are, they're great gift books. A lot of people gift them. The Lucille book is a, a great gift book. Matter of fact, on my website, if people order the Lucille book from my website, I write a note in every book that, that comes out from there. And I send a, a picture of Lucille and I together and I write on the picture. And um, I've heard some incredible stories um, about people. They've read the book. And because the, the book is, is so inspirational and, and real and raw about life and the human experience and and Lucille was just so inspiring that they, you know, people send me pictures and they got that picture I sent them inside the book, like on their desk or on their dresser. And it's just a reminder that, you know, life's short. Even if you live to 100, life's short and you got to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You got to slow down or you might miss it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's to, right. <clears throat> to, to steal a phrase from a movie. But so. Where can people find more information on your books and, and more information on how to, uh, you just have such an awesome suite of, of life experiences and just unwritten rules to navigate life. It's, I want to know more. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. I, I think the website you have up, judygammon.com, that's a great place to go to. A uh, lot of, of people are interested in in age management or, or how to stay as healthy and as, as possible. And that's really where executive medicine of Texas comes in, where I'm the CEO. I mean, we have amazing physicians who are doing incredible work and people flying from all over the globe. And uh, emtexas.com is the website there, emtexas.com. And, you know, and, and of course, purchasing any of the books, they're on Amazon, they're, they're anywhere you buy books. But again, if, if you go to the uh, judygammon.com and, you know, if, if you're buying it for somebody else, just put in the notes who it is. And, and if you know a little something about them, um, I love to personalize these. I get, I get people that say, Hey, you know, this is my neighbor who's all alone or, you know, so, or this is for my, my mom. I want to inspire her to, to keep going. She's like 90 or, you know, whoever it's for, or whatever the reason, if you just give me a little note, I can, I can really make it, it personal for them. It is important to me that it's personal for them. Excellent. Uh, you have a podcast. How, how often do you have that? Yeah. So we have the stay young America podcast and it's on all the, the usual places you can get your podcast from and stay young America with the exclamation point after America. And, and it is, um, it's up every, every week there's, um, a new one, but there's also things called medical minutes. 
So these Stay Young Medical Minutes are just little snippets of maybe something in research or a little health tip um, just to keep the listeners engaged. And it's kind of interesting how uh, that podcast came to be. We had something called the Stay the Staying Young Show, and it came out um, around the time the book came out. Um, actually, maybe the show came out before the book, but um, the Staying Young Show was coast to coast. We were on all these different stations uh, from one side of the country to the other. And then we were on Sirius XM. And uh, what we saw is we would have the show on and then we upload it to a podcast version. And this is when, before everybody had a podcast. And one day, uh, so one of the producers came to me and said, you know, I know we got all these stations, we got to work around their clocks and their rules and, and all of this. But if you look over here at these downloads, you've got 3 million downloads. I think you might want to consider making this a a podcast only show because then you have you know more flexibility if you have somebody on and you don't have to cut them off because the show has to end in 30 seconds. You could let them finish, you know, what they're saying and you can carry that conversation longer or you could cut it shorter. Or you're not tied to the clock. It was a really tough thing for us to do at the time, but it was absolutely the best thing we ever did uh, is, is changing the Staying Young show to the Stay Young America and doing that podcast uh, version only because it just gave us so much more flexibility. We still have on incredible celebrities and, and uh, with cool causes and, and leading scientists and best-selling authors and, and all the, the, the guests that we had and, and we still talk about things that um, maybe people aren't talking about when it comes to health, wellness, and whether it's, um, you know, physical, mental, what have you. Um, I, it's something I love doing, and I'm, I'm glad that, that you allowed me to share it. So they can get that on uh, iTunes? Yep. They can get it everywhere. Yep. It, Apple Podcasts, like if you have uh, yeah, iTunes, like you mentioned, um, you can go all of the streaming. It's, it's streamed on, on all of the places you get podcasts. Wow. Now, that's why I record this show. And I record the show ahead of time. We don't have to worry about commercial breaks. We don't have to worry about yeah. uh, about time limits. And, and we can have a, a nice, relaxed chat. And that's why I like it this way, <laughs> because uh, if if it were live, I mean, we could add the audience uh, interaction, uh, like with the chat. But like we'd both have to be wearing glasses so we could read the questions. And while you're reading the questions, you're not thinking about what the person is saying, who's talking. And it, it's a big distraction. And it, it really takes a, a talent it's a skill to be able to keep track of those questions and follow the conversation at the same time. So, yeah, sometimes the questions will take you down a rabbit hole. You know, I've got to find your way sometimes. back. <laughs> well, yeah, unless it's a rabbit hole that that it is a good rabbit hole to go down that you would that maybe you were thinking of and you were going to think about or trying to get to it, but you didn't That's for one true. reason or another. But then there are some that just completely take you off into left field and and can really spell disaster. (laughs) When when we had our show um, and it was live and it was coast to coast, we there was a time where we had uh, callers. We had to stop taking callers, Mm -hmm. but we had 
this one caller. And finally, we caught on. He'd call every week in a different voice. Say he has a different person, had a different problem. The producer would patch him through and completely change what who he was and what he was talking about. So, you know, this this went on for several weeks. And I thought, you know, is this just a prankster? What, what's going on? And then it uh, turned out it was a stalker. And then they started calling the office and, you know, started mm-hmm. trying to to get in touch in all kinds of weird ways. And I was like, ah, maybe we won't do uh, live callers anymore. <laughs> but wow. that's kind of the, the history and the, the story behind the, uh, one of the changes and transitions of the show. Yeah. Well, <laughs> your experience has not been without color. I can tell you <laughs> that for sure. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you had your own stalker. That's really awesome. <laughs> I've had two. I don't know. I mean, I, I had one and they, this is so crazy. Like they took out like a life insurance policy on me. And, and I, I, somebody said, well, were you, were you like so flattered? And I was like, no, it was $50,000. I was so offended. You know? <laughs> I'm worth more than $50,000. I can laugh now, but it really was a crazy stressful time, honestly. And, um, you know, I, I'm just so fortunate and blessed to have an incredible um, police team that that just did everything right um, to to negate situation the situation. And, and I, this is the first time I've ever talked about it openly right here on your show. Um, and the first time I've able, been able to even talk about it without being all kind of like nervous, I, I think, you know, sometimes in life you get these crazy things, these curveballs, and, you know, you work through them and then you you share the experience. So somebody else goes through a, a strange experience, maybe it can help them. And I guess for you, your listeners and viewers, if the hair on the back of your neck stands up, that's a warning sign. <laughs> yeah. Do something about it. If you feel awkward and weird about something, don't just blow it off. It's probably not your imagination. And, you know, until proven otherwise, see it as, as something you need to look into. Okay. Well, somebody, somebody that you don't know taking out a life insurance policy on you, that would be totally creepy. That yeah, would creep that, me out like, like no tomorrow. Yeah. That was pretty <clears throat> scary. That was really scary. Um, but, you know, I can talk about it now, which is, is taking me several months to be able to, to, to actually work through it and, and talk about it. But, yeah, it was it was terrifying. Um, yeah. But like I said, I, you know, the, the police department in my area and the detectives and I mean, they just took it and ran with it and, and really wow. did a, an excellent job. Um, to ensure that that I was safe, my family was safe, and that this person was dealt with. Mm-hmm. Well, that that is awesome. Um, I'm loving that, and and yeah, I I get your point. I would have been a little um, insulted too. Fifty G's, <laughs> only fifty G's? Are you kidding what? me? What are you? What are you? Some cheap SO three that that you you know you didn't want to pay a premium. And you call yourself a stalker. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, I can laugh about it now, but, but yeah, it was, it was funny. And, um, I did, I did go and I, um, took shooting lessons and, and really went through the whole, like, okay, self-empowerment. I need need to protect myself and, um, I got to change some, some thinking. 
mm-hmm. about what that what that means. And boy, I, I think there was a soldier in me that came out. There, there was oh. a whole side of me I didn't even know was there. And and let me tell you, I'm a pretty good shot. <laughs> Self empowerment. Yeah, it works. I, I was, uh, I was, I was quite impressed with my my uh, shooting abilities. And, and the instructor, he turned turned to my husband and says, "Don't piss her off, because <laughs> <laughs> she's a great shot." <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm I'm thinking that there's uh, material for a book in there somewhere. I mean, so many people are living in fear. They're living in a fight or flight, a perpetual fight or flight mode. And the best way to get out of that fight or flight mode is to stand in your own power, to find a way to to reassert yourself and take control. And I'm thinking that would be a great book. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Maybe I, I, there's another book I'm just now starting. It's a book on grief and um, I'm excited about this book. Um, I think when you go through something um, and, and you, you finally get to the other side and then you see somebody else going through that and, and your heart really goes out to them and you think, gosh, how can I help? You know, one thing that, that I've just been, and fortunate enough to do is is to be able to to write. So I that's that's my way of giving back to people that have gone through grief. So I've just started started that process of you know gathering um, the initial stages of writing in, initial stages of writing a book. You know, gathering research and keeping notes and you know what does this look like and what's the journey look like for the reader. And um, I, I think. This I think this may be a, another favorite book when I'm done with it. It's it's tough sometimes when you write a book, and, and this was especially true with the Lucille book, and you're going to share your own personal story, and you're going to be very vulnerable, and you're going to to allow the reader to be vulnerable because you've been vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, those are a lot harder to write than, I say, a fiction book or you know a, a self help health and wellness book. It's a different side of the brain. So mm-hmm. as I'm preparing to, to write this book on grief, um, it's I know it's going to take a deep dive inside Judy Gammon's heart <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to get it out. But but I think it's important. And I, I think that's a good way to to give back to other people who who are struggling with grief or who have, you know, had an experience um for me, what really, and I, I mentioned I lost my mom, but for me, it was losing my sister a couple of years ago. Um, two years ago, I lost her. And when I looked for a book on like sibling loss, there there wasn't really anything. Mm. There was, you know, hey, if you lost a child or, you know, but, but sibling loss, I think, is so different because everyone feels that they need to comfort the parent and the child and as the sibling, you feel like you need to comfort your parent and your nieces and nephews. But man, you are struggling because you're losing not just the sibling, but a part of your childhood, a part you just kind of always assume would be there. My sister's always going to be there. And so that's a it's a unique thing. And and since there wasn't anything there for me, I I really want to address it in this book on grief. Sounds like a great idea. Sounds like a great book. And 
we're almost out of time. <laughs> but I try to wrap wrap up uh, under sixty minutes. So let's uh, let's uh, give uh, contact information. Uh, reiterate the website. Talk about your podcast real quick and share whatever you would like to share with the audience on our way out. Yeah. So websites again, judygammon.com, J-U-D-Y-G-A-M-A-N.com. The podcast, Stay Young America with an exclamation point on it. And stayyoungamerica.com is the website for that. You can go there and and just follow links if, if that's easier. And the books, you know, Love, Life, and Lucille, Lessons Learned from a Centenarian. It's also available on audio. And I voiced it myself. I did have a, a dear friend of mine who also knew Lucille, who's in her 80s, just do Lucille's voice. And even Lucille's children said it's eerily similar to Lucille. So um, I, I invite people to, to listen to the audio book as well. And, and for your, your, your listeners, your viewers, I just want to, to just share a, a, no matter what you're, you're going with, going through, um, who you're going through it with, Take time to enjoy the day. Take time to to stop and reflect on your day. And we mentioned it earlier in in the show. Create a, a personal report card for yourself, just because we we tend to go through life and in reactionary mode. And be proactive as you want to develop the life that that you really want, so you can look back later and say man, I made these, these things happen because I took an active, an active role in my own life. Excellent. Thank you so much for being with me. It's been such a pleasure and I have learned so much. I cannot wait to get my hands on a few of your books. And I'm, I'm not a huge reader, but I have been known to binge read. <laughs> <laughs> You can binge uh, listen if you want. Both well, both Paul and Lucille are on audiobook. Okay. Well, there was there was one book I got my hands on for an interview that was coming up and I read half the book one night. I just couldn't I couldn't read anymore. I just had to go to bed. First <laughs> thing I did when I woke up the next morning, grabbed a coffee, then read the other half of the book. Oh, it's great. <laughs> and, you need to send me that book. Maybe I should read it. <laughs> Oh, send, oh, send yeah. me the title. Lots, loads of fun. Loads of fun. So uh, hang hang with me for just a moment while we're doing the outro. And and uh, I want to thank everyone for joining me on Logical Thinking. And uh, Judy Gammon, thank you so much again. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. So we'll catch you next time right here on Logical Thinking on Global Voice Network.